No justice! No justice! Get out of the car with your hands up! I call for the police to stop killing. Come towards us! Do not go towards that door. How many times will a black person have to choke out the words, I can't breathe? Demands for racial justice as the deaths of unarmed black and Hispanic Americans by police reach the consciousness and the conscience of a nation. Say their names, a chant made popular so that we won't forget George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Michael Brown, and others. But there are other names not so well known, nonviolent people whose deaths at the hands of police deserve to have their stories told too. I'm Bob Garcia Buckaloo. I've been a journalist for four decades, many of those years reporting on our justice system in Texas. This podcast series tells the story of unarmed people who were of no apparent threat, whose deaths occurred after a confrontation with police. For them and for their families, justice has been slow to come, or not at all. We call this podcast Still No Justice, a collaboration between KVUE-TV in Austin, and Vault Studios. Okay, it's uh, just after midnight in Austin, Texas. And I'm walking down St. John's Avenue, just east of downtown. This is an older neighborhood. The houses are fairly well kept and there are shade trees in the yards. And it was on a cool night like this in March of 2019 that the people who live here were suddenly awakened to the sounds of sirens and the sights of flashing red lights. There had been a traffic wreck, a single vehicle coming to a stop into a clump of bushes. The white Honda Pilot SUV didn't appear to be badly damaged in the crash. Law officers were there immediately. They had been chasing the SUV, and after it wrecked, they ordered the driver out of the vehicle and onto the ground to be handcuffed. He didn't have a weapon, but he did appear agitated and confused. So there was a struggle to get the handcuffs on him as he was being held face down on the ground. Police used a taser to shock him several times. As he lay on the ground, finally handcuffed and in the custody of police, the man named Javier Ambler was dead. His death barely made headlines. Reporter Tony Plohetsky. There was only a brief mention about an in-custody death in the local newspaper and on television. The television stations covered it in maybe 10 to 15 seconds. Then everyone moved on. Why had police been chasing the man? And why was it that even after he had been restrained and was of no threat for running away, why was it that he died? The answers would be hard to come by. What was known was that the chase had begun in the county north of Austin, Williamson County. Known to viewers of the nationally televised cable TV show Live PD, a county that allowed their camera crews to ride along with sheriff's deputies as they made traffic stops and arrests. And it was one of those deputies who initiated the chase. It began in Williamson County and ended in the crash on East St. John's Avenue in neighboring Travis County. That's where Austin is located. But little else was made public. In the days and months that followed his death, the sheriff's office in Williamson County withheld details about the case and provided no information about how Javier Ambler had died. Then everyone moved on. 
community moved on. Uh, the journalism community moved on. The sheriff posted just a brief tweet on his page uh, announcing that there had been an in-custody death and that no other information was available. Now, the story might have ended there, but nearly a year after the man's death in police custody, Tony Plohetsky, a reporter for Austin TV station KVUE and the daily paper The American Statesman, got a tip that investigators were growing frustrated because they weren't getting any information from the Williamson County Sheriff's Office about how the man in the SUV had died, surrounded by deputies and police. The tipster told Tony, there was a death in custody and that investigators, from what I was understanding, were having trouble getting the information that they needed to, fe to feel satisfied in their investigation was particularly intriguing to me. And so began a nearly two-year quest to find out what had really happened that night in March 2019 on East St. John's Avenue and to find out more about Javier. He was a good guy, you know. Javier's sister, Kim and he didn't deserve the treatment that he received that night, and he deserves to still be here with us. He deserves to still be here with his kids. Javier, who was black, was 40 years old when he died. He was a former postal worker, the father of three boys, said to have never had an enemy, and he was close to his sister, Kim. We're a really, really close family. People tell us all the time that they love to see our family together because our bond is like a lot of people don't have that. He was a mama's boy, definitely. He could do no wrong in her eyes, but he loved her. He would, every time he would walk in the house, he'd give her a kiss on her forehead. That was like just every single time, I love you, mom. Javier's mother, Maritza. He was loving. He was caring. He would give his last to anyone if they were in need. Javier played football in college and afterwards held several jobs, first as a postal service employee, then as an apartment complex manager. But he wanted something more. He wanted to do his own business and he started doing culinary and hosting like different events. He would cater. Like it was just this, <laughs> it's funny to see this, like he looks like a, a big football player and he's over here catering to a baby shower, like something so you know, precious. He just, you know, he was just that person. Of course, Javier's family wanted to know more about how he had died, what had led up to it, and how could a nonviolent man, some say a teddy bear of a man, how could a man who was unarmed die as he lay in the grass on East St. John's Avenue, surrounded by police? For Tony the reporter, digging for information would become a challenge. I actually started doing my first open records request, my first request for information to the Williamson County Sheriff's Department around that time. And in February of this year, I learned that the Williamson County Sheriff's Office was actually not going to release any information to me whatsoever. Um, under Texas law, when a, a, a government agency declines or refuses to release information to the public, under a request under the Texas uh, Public Information Act, they must seek an opinion from the Texas Attorney General's office about whether or not they can lawfully and legally withhold that information. And so that's what they did in this case. The Sheriff's Office said information was being withheld because of an ongoing investigation. But because of Tony's request, 
they were required to get the Texas Attorney General's opinion on whether to make the report publicly available. I'm sitting at home at my desk working and I get an email from the Williamson County Sheriff's Office and included in that email are at least some records relating to the death of Javier Ambler. The Attorney General's ruling forced the Sheriff's Office to release the information that had been hidden from the public and from Javier's family. The picture became clearer. From the information released by the Sheriff's Office, Tony discovered some of what happened the night that Javier died. According to his reporting, Deputy J.J. Johnson was patrolling the quiet suburban roads in Williamson County when Javier drove past him with his bright headlights on, and he wouldn't dim them. The deputy turned his car around and flipped on his flashing lights. Javier didn't stop. Johnson began chasing him. Tony wrote, for the next 22 minutes, the two vehicles sped across highways and onto neighborhood streets. As they crossed into Travis County, Austin officers were instructed not to get involved in the pursuit because they are allowed only to chase dangerous criminals. Javier smashed his Honda Pilot into stationary objects four times before crashing that final time just north of downtown Austin at 1.45 in the morning. But there was still a lot we did not know. As soon as I received these reports, what was not included was any sort of dash camera or body camera footage. But I knew that Austin police had arrived at the scene. In fact, one Austin police officer arrived at the scene as it was unfolding. And so I, I began an appeal with the Austin Police Department and the Travis County District Attorney's Office who were investigating this again because Javier Ambler died in the city of Austin and in Travis County. So I submitted an open records request, a request under the Texas Public Information Act for that video. Um, it is highly unusual for law enforcement officials to release body camera footage or dash camera footage, as well as a lot of other evidence um, in cases involving in custody death or in a case that might involve criminal charges. But I appealed to them to release the video to me. I had some understanding through contact with sources about what was on the video. And what we saw on the video really widened the lens on what happened that night far beyond what the deputies wrote in their reports. Now, it's important to stop here and remind you that what you're about to hear are the last few minutes of Javier Ambler's life recorded on a body cam. The body cam belonged to an Austin police officer who was not involved in the chase. It's not easy to listen to, of course, and some of the audio is hard to hear because of the sound of the police sirens. And be aware that we've edited out portions of the sound from the video when no one is speaking. It begins almost immediately after the chase ends. 1050, 1050, he just crashed. Just crashed right in front of me. The deputy orders Javier out of the SUV and says, Give me your hands or I'll tase you again. Javier would be tased four times during the ordeal. Barely audible. Javier, who weighs 400 pounds, says, I have congestive heart failure. Something he would repeat as officers tried to handcuff him. But now he is on the ground and not able to get away. And he says, I can't breathe. Flat on your stomach. Flat on your stomach. Flat on your stomach. 
stop resisting. Stop resisting. Javier says it again. I can't breathe. He repeated that several times, but officers failed to acknowledge that and worked to keep him pinned down on his stomach. The body cam shows Javier tased a fourth time, this time at close range, on the back of his neck. Put your hands behind your back! Do what you're asking you to Police have subdued him and discover he is not breathing. They call for EMS. Deputies perform CPR for four minutes until the ambulance arrives. Minutes later, when EMS brought Javier Ambler to the hospital, he was dead. A death in custody report filed with the Texas Attorney General noticed that Javier did not attempt to, nor did he assault deputies. He did not verbally threaten others nor did he attempt to get control of any officer's weapons. According to an autopsy report sent to the AG's office, Javier died from congestive heart failure in combination with forcible restraint. His death was ruled a homicide, but the report noted that it was justifiable homicide. The Williamson County Sheriff's Office Internal Affairs Investigation concluded that the deputies had done nothing wrong. Javier's last words were, Save me. And this person's asking you to save them, and it's just falling on deaf ears like you think it's a joke. Javier's sister, Kim. Who would a heart, what human being could put that, could harm somebody and hear their cries and not find it in your heart to be like, okay, we need to save this person. Like, even if you didn't know them, just being human, you have to have some type of something in your heart telling you this is wrong. They killed somebody and they try to hide it. They need to be arrested. The story could have ended there. Perhaps another sad tale of justice denied. But there was something else that shined a new light on the pursuit and death of Javier Ambler. Also contained in the reports I did get at that time were references to the television show Live PD. And so in addition to learning why and how this all started, it also became clear that uh, Live PD was going to become part of this narrative, part of this story about what happened to Javier Ambler. Live PD, a popular cable TV reality show that followed police officers in the course of their patrols live. The show broadcast police encounters with the public and often featured high-speed chases. The Williamson County Sheriff's Office was among the participating law enforcement agencies from around the country that allowed live PD cameras to ride along. And so that night, live PD was riding out with deputies J.J. Johnson and Zach Camden, really for that purpose. They were not broadcasting live, but they were there with cameras in both of their cars. Was there a connection, do you believe, between the nature of the pursuit over what seems to be a minor traffic violation and the fact that there was a camera crew in the same car with the deputies? Well, that's one of the big questions that I think experts and other people raised um, after the details of Javier Ambler's death and what happened to him that night became known. 
And I think the question is one that still really hangs out there. And that is whether or not, and in what way, if any, law enforcement officials, and in particular, those two deputies that night, felt compelled to juice up, to gin up um, their actions or their conduct uh, to make good television. And if you ask the family of Javier Ambler, if you ask investigators who have been involved in this case, their answer to that question is a resounding yes. That but for having television cameras in the car, potentially none of that, none of this would have happened that night or may not have happened in the same way that it did. But that just the mere presence of those television cameras could possibly incite deputies to make good television instead of providing sound and prudent law enforcement. Live TV cameras were with the two deputies in their patrol cars that night although the video was not being seen live, but instead recorded for possible later use on the program. After the incident, investigators wanted to see that live PD video, but after getting no response from the show's producers, eventually they learned that the video had been destroyed. And any additional video from the dash cams on the patrol cars that the deputies drove that night was also being kept from investigators. More than a year after Javier's death, the sheriff of Williamson County, Robert Chody, received some news. A grand jury had indicted him on an evidence tampering charge relating to the destruction of the live TV footage that showed deputies chasing and using force on Javier Ambler. Williamson County District Attorney Sean Dick told reporters. On Friday, the grand jury for the 277th District Court of Williamson County, Texas, returned an indictment for tampering with physical evidence in the investigation of the death of Mr. Ambler against Williamson County Sheriff Robert Chody. This offense is a third degree felony, which carries a punishment range of two years to 10 years in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice Institutional Division or probation, and up to a $10,000 fine. And additional criminal charges against the sheriff could be in the offing, as the district attorney in neighboring Travis County, where the chase ended, is also pursuing felony evidence tampering charges against the sheriff related to the events that happened in Austin on the night that Javier died. Sheriff Chody denies any wrongdoing and says the indictment was an effort to make him lose his next election as sheriff. The facts are very clear, and let me be very clear. I did not tamper with evidence. Four weeks after the sheriff made that statement, voters went to the polls in Williamson County and elected a new sheriff. Chody lost the election. Obviously, so many unanswered questions surround Javier's death. At the time when his car came to a stop and officers handcuffed him, why didn't they listen to his pleas for help or hear him tell them that he had congestive heart failure? After all, he was obese and breathing heavily. Gregory Gilbertson is a criminal justice professor at Centralia College in Washington. He's been consulted as a police use of force expert in many court cases. In the totality of the circumstances, I think the officer's actions were excessive. I think they should have believed him. Quite honestly, the use of force, in my view, at that point should have been mitigated, if not completely stopped, and they should have allowed him to perhaps just sit on the ground as long as he wasn't attempting to fight them or to escape. Another question. 
Did the presence of camera crews inside the patrol cars encourage the officers to make a traffic stop simply because the driver, Javier, did not lower his high beam headlights? Shortly after the Javier Ambler story made national headlines, the cable network A&E announced that it was canceling the live PD series. A network statement said, likely in reference to recent nationwide protests calling for racial justice, quote, This is a critical time in our nation's history, and we've made the decision to cease production of live PD. There was no mention of Javier's case in their statement. Meantime, Javier's family and friends hold occasional rallies to keep the circumstances around his death in the hearts and the minds of the public. And the family keeps a bigger picture in mind. The irony and the tragedy of George Floyd's death in Minneapolis as he told officers who were restraining him, I can't breathe. The words Javier Ambler had used more than a year before George Floyd's death. The system's not made for us. It's not made to save us. It's not made to protect us. And until we learn and get out and make the right choices on who we have in office, and that's not just at the president level, I'm talking about in your own city and state that you live in, you're not going to get anywhere. You need people in there that are for you, that are for mankind, that want the best for everybody and wants everyone to be treated the same. Not by, based off my skin color, I should be treated any different than somebody else. My faith is too strong. I come from a family that we know where our power comes from. We know who's in charge of all this. Like, and people could be optimistic or pessimistic, whatever, based off of past cases and situations, but that doesn't change my faith at all. You know, I pray to somebody that I know does not bless negative, hateful people. And what they did to my brother was negative, was hateful. And he's a child of God, just like the rest of us. And he deserved better. And we pray about it on a regular basis. And my faith ain't gonna waver. Still No Justice, a production of KVUE TV in Austin in collaboration with Vault Studios. Sarah Bryant is executive producer of this podcast series with assistance from producer Joe Ellis. I'm Bob Garcia Buckaloo.